Welcome to the Witness and Persecution Podcast with Nick and Ruth Ripkin, where we equip you with biblical principles and truths and practices learned from believers in persecution to help you cross the street and cross the oceans with the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm your host, Anthony Ball. And again, if you have been enjoying, if you've been blessed by the Witness and Persecution Podcast with Nick and Ruth, uh, be sure to go to the platform that you get the your podcasts on and like and subscribe to Witness and Persecution. And we'd love for you to leave us a review. That helps us get the word out, helps us continue to advertise Witness and Persecution. So Nick, welcome to the show today. It is still very hot in Texas, so I hope that you have a little bit nicer weather than we're having. Well, 90% of Kentucky was in a drought until last night. And a lot of (laughs) Kentucky got some good rain. And we woke up mm. to 62 degrees this morning. Unbelievable. I, uh, yeah. The only way we can wake up to 62 degrees is if we set our air that low. So we've got a couple of Well, maybe all of you in this. Texas ought to open your windows with your air conditioner on and try to cool Texas down. <laughs> if we all do it at the same time, I think it would work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think you're, you're, you'd only do that for one week before you got your bill. Right. <laughs> Yeah. We'll just share the bill. If we're going to share the air, we'll share the bill, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, Nick, I, uh, I'm i excited about this episode today. We were talking a little bit before the show and and in our, our prep work. And we're going to, we're not really going to talk about people fighting, but we are going to kind of address the things that we, we do fight over or fight for. And uh, especially when it comes to believers in persecution. I, I, I'm I'm excited for our listeners because I think this is going to challenge our, not just our worldview, but challenge our perception on how we see certain things. And I'm hoping that through this, we're going to be able to maybe change our perception uh, in a way that will push us more to obedience rather than kind of what we tend to do um, as Christians sometimes. Well, you know, I'm a big student. I got a major in history. And a major in religion in college, and 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 I, I love history. I love historical fiction, but you know I studied a lot about the Western movement uh, and, and the wagon trains and things like that. And mm-hmm. and of course, you grew up seeing that when they they were attacked, they would circle the wagons to protect themselves. But the moment that the danger was gone, they uncircled the wagons and they kept heading west or wherever they were heading toward. But you know, I think. You know, one of the things that came to me that we'll get to later in this podcast is, is a lot of Christians and a lot of churches have circled the wagons and the attack has been over uh, right. for years and, 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 and the world is not coming after us. And so most of the attack and the friction is internal. And so I, I think we, we need to get back to where we uncircle the wagons and, 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 and in some cases, you know, honestly, Anthony, uh, I think there's a case to be made that in, in the Old Testament, uh, the, the man of God was told to, to return and, and, and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem and, and do it brick by brick and stone by stone. And that was God's will. And I think maybe in parts of history and certainly today, I believe for the sake of those three billion who have yet to hear and to free up resources, we almost need to take it down brick by brick, steeple by steeple, and stone by stone 
to free up the resources of the kingdom of God to do mm. what Jesus said in Matthew uh, 18, uh, to go to all the people groups. That's right. Uh, we can't stay circle in wagons and even go to our neighbors. Now, I, I do would like to revisit one of the great times uh, of interviews. Now, on this trip, it was the only trip that I, I was gone from home for seven weeks. And I promise you, you don't want to replicate that because that's underground. That's being passed from house church to house church, and, and especially in China, uh, to discover that 40% of all leadership, uh, deacons and elders, pastors and teachers, evangelists, 40% were in prison at any one time. Uh, it, it's, it, I don't dwell on it. I, I don't let it uh, trouble my sleep, but the, the, the tension is always there in this one trip. You know, they always laughed. I didn't do it after the first couple of times because of, they'd have me fly into a major airport and then sometimes to a regional airport. And I would say, how can I find you? And they would just laugh because I'd get off the airplane and I'd be the only Caucasian, <laughs> you know, you know, for acres and acres of people. And somebody would just walk by me and say, follow me and go down some alleyways and, and uh, take me in the house or something until dark and then put me in a car. In this case, they put me in a van that held about eight people and they told me to get in the back, lay in the back seat. And I said, well, when can I get up? They said, well, we're 18 hours of driving oh. from where we're going out in the rural parts of China. And, and with you know, I'm certainly that I'm ADHD. Uh, I'm just positive. But, of course, growing up, we were ABCXYZ. We didn't have those letters and those. I can't lay down in that seat for 18 minutes, let alone 18 hours. But <laughs> it, it was a struggle. But then they pull in this compound. And where I'd been going and seeing the maximum seven people in an apartment, four people in a room, a family in a house or uh, right. in Ukraine and Russia, a group of pastors in a, one place or a group of evangelists in the other. I was shocked to pull in. There were at least 150 people in this farming compound where they build their walls and, and, and then they build their individual rooms of their houses into the wall. So the, mm -hmm. yeah. the, the, the bedroom is separated from the kitchen and, and, and the storage room. And they, they bring in their equipment at night and their animals at night and, 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 and they shut the big gates. And, and so there was room for that many people, but I thought, my goodness, why, why would they take such a risk uh, bringing so many people? But, uh, this this one place stands out the most because the trip was so long and it was so intense. And I think possibly in the two weeks that I was there, I learned as much as I was going to learn almost any place else in the world uh, just because of the richness that was in uh, in the room with these 150 house church leaders. And But I I... I, I as we did the last two weeks, we talked about trauma and so care. Yeah. Uh, and that was both of these because you're, you're listening to stories every day for 14 hours and, and recording them and taking, you know, what I do, I, I take their biological information, their educational information, and, and, and really their names aren't that important, but I take that on another sheet of paper so that all that's on the, the recording is their story. And, and yet they were never worried 
about the recording. I mean, about the what I wrote on a piece of paper, <laughs> even if it's biographical. They said, because we could always deny that's not our handwriting. We, we don't know where the guy got that information, but that's our voice on the tape. And that is me. And they can find me by my voice. And, and wow. while I didn't think back in those days, that's true. Uh, uh, still, that's what they were concerned about. So I learned not to put any biographical information uh, on, on the cassette tapes. And, and, and yet there were uh, hard days because, uh, you know, I'm worried about bringing harm and uh, I'm, I'm eating different foods, you know, uh, going to a restaurant and at the, at the front of the restaurant is a, a, a swim, a, a fish tank full of eels and, <laughs> and there are peacocks and other exotic animals in cages in front of the restaurant that you can order, but you have to wait a long time while they prepare it. And, and so, uh, you know, you're regularly going to have stomach issues. And I remember I, I twisted my ankle on this trip, uh, stepping over something. And I, I was certain I broke my ankle and the leaders got the top leaders got together and said, listen, uh, the nearest uh, hospital that a foreigner can go to is three days drive away. Wow. So that ends everything. And we can't be seen with you. We'd have to take you to that city. You'd have to find a foreigner hotel and then go to the hospital uh, uh, to keep yourself and keep us safe. And mm. so I just sort of gutted through it. It's the only place that I experienced so much cumulative of seven weeks uh, because I went to China and I, I went to Southeast Asia and, and right, for seven right. weeks, I went like to eight countries and as only place where I borrowed a cell phone back before there were cell phones in America. The Chinese had them. <laughs> and matter of fact, I, I learned in those days, it's, it's not giving anything away now because everybody has a cell phone, that I learned that, that to recognize the leaders of the house church, of the, 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 the big leaders, not just the house church leaders, but the big leaders, they're the only ones that had cell phones. And so if I see somebody in a small group with a cell phone, I said, how long have you been leading a house church? And they'd look at me almost in terror and said, how do you know I'm a leader of the house church? I've never talked to you. I said, you've got a cell phone. Incredible. So they had to have a meeting over that because if someone like me could recognize from the outside a house church leader because they had a cell phone, they had to handle their cell phones differently. So that became a big sideline conversation and and i'm uh, i'm worried about bringing harm to them i'm i'm eating uh, you know different foods uh, uh i've got a, 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 run, a runny belly and and out here in this farming community what are they going to do for toilet facilities for 150 people oh, they go in an open field between this wild farming community and their and their construction guys building a multi-story building about a hundred yards away and they dig uh, about 20 holes in the ground for squatty potties for the all, whole time that we're there and men and women go and share them. And I, I'm not too easily embarrassed, but I don't want to do that. So I'd go out early in the morning or late at night, but you have to carry a flashlight because you step in one of those holes, you will break your ankle and, oh, yeah. and have a treat beside. And I go out there and, and, 
and actually using one of those field squatty potties when two women come out and they have the whole field to choose from, but they, they, they go on each side of me <laughs> and they talk to each other <laughs> across from me. And, and, and while, you know, it doesn't bother them. So I just vow, you know, it's not going to bother me. I'm just going to do what's custom, what's normal. But internally, that builds up. And it's the only place I've ever been where I bought a, 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 a cell phone and, and, and called Ruth back in America. And I said, darling, you've got to come get me. <laughs> and she said, where are you? I said, I'm in China. She said, honey, where are you in China? I said, I'm under a great big tree. <laughs> in that compound was a tree that was had a three-foot diameter. And she said, you don't know any more than that? I said, no. And she talked to me for a while and loved on me and prayed for me. And, and, and you know, but a combination of sleeping in a bed with three guys. And I don't sleep easy anyway. And, 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 and a runny tummy a swollen ankle, uh, going out in the field and sharing it with my, uh, you know, colleagues that are both male and female and, and, and worried about, you know, there's so many of them and they're going to get busted. Uh, it, it just takes a toll on you and you just can't do this for seven weeks. And, and so, uh, I, I, I've done six weeks a couple of times, but then mostly I try to do five weeks a month. I can't get enough done. Mm. And, and so it's just, it, it, it it's hard. Uh, at times uh, uh, doing this but you know what I would do uh, is I would I would ask questions sometimes of individuals but also it was good to do it of a family grouping or a group of leaders or uh, uh, maybe uh, four uh, brothers or, 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 or brothers and sisters uh, because they they would correct one another or if somebody wrote themselves into a story too much, they would say, no, you weren't even there during that crisis. And, and one time they said, no, you haven't been to prison yet. Why are, why are you telling this guy you've been to jail? And, and, oh, and no. so you would get, but, but, but the thing is, it, here it was different. They got to learning so much from the stories they heard one another tell uh, that they said, okay, no more interviews for you. And my heart just dropped into the abyss. Mm. And they saw my face. Oh, they said, you don't understand. No more interviews in private. We're learning so much from each other and about each other and what God is doing through each other. We want you now to do the interviews and uh, uh, out in the compound in front of everybody. And we want all 150 people mm. to listen to what you're, what, what, what we can share with one another. And I thought, well, I'm, I'm good with that. Why not? And they put some, uh, uh, of these, uh, what are they? Pallets together? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wooden things together. And, and, and I stood on that, uh, with a little, uh, a, they built something to put my, uh, notes and the harder thing. Uh, make sure I could record it and the interpreter is there with me. And, 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 and if I needed to, there was a chair to sit down and yet they give me two brothers to interview and forgive me for the euphemism or whatever it's called. Uh, if, if you're not from America, you won't understand this at all, but these two brothers were Daryl and Daryl. <laughs> they were the two 
least clued in believers that I've ever met in China. And no matter how much I pulled out of them, they had, they had been arrested for their faith. They had been in prison for three years, but they had nothing to say. Their story and, and, and they're able to contemplate and, and to bring out of that experience. There wasn't nothing there. There was no overt praying, uh, uh, winning uh, your persecutors to Christ. There, there was no insights into the nature of Christ. And I just said to God, why did you give me these two guys? <laughs> why didn't you give me those the last four? Because everybody stared at me like, what are we supposed to be learning from this? Because mm. there's nothing to learn. These guys became Christian, got themselves arrested. They hadn't won anybody to Christ. They hadn't put, they hadn't started a house church and they're in prison and they just hid and they were miserable the whole time. Mm. And so I, uh, what I did, I interviewed a brother and sister that was quite outstanding that redeemed the time a little bit, but uh, not like uh, interviewing the leaders earlier that day for about 10 hours. Mm. And so uh, I'm near the end of the time and, and, and I want to sort of step down and, and they said, where are, are, are you going? And I said, well, uh, I thought the day was finished because what would happen? I would teach for 14 hours a day and usually from 11 o'clock at night to two or three o'clock in the morning, the interpreter and I, he would teach one book of the Bible and I teach another book of the Bible. He was teaching mm -hmm. Romans which was his doctoral dissertation. And I was teaching th through narrative story after story, after story, the book of Luke. And, and, and it, it became very upsetting for this brilliant, brilliant, uh, believing Chinese guy who was located in California and lived in Taiwan for a long time and has made over 200 trips uh, into China. Wow. And, uh, uh, he, he just opened all kinds of doors for me. Later, he was to die of a heart attack. Mm. And so my major way for having contacts in China uh, uh, died with him. But he, he taught the book of Romans as if it was a doctoral dissertation. And I taught Luke as narrative. And, and uh, at the end of the week, I don't remember who suggested it, but we, we decided to have that 150 house church leaders give back to us what they remembered from what was taught. Now he's speaking in Chinese and he's teaching Romans about like you would do an expository preaching, but more like a doctoral dissertation. Hmm. And they reproduced 90% of the book of Luke and 10% of the book of Romans. Wow. He was highly upset. Hmm. He was brilliant, but he was highly upset. And he said, I I've learned a lot from this because what I've learned is what to give them what they can take away and what they need for evangelism. And what they need for evangelism is uh, uh, Genesis through Acts. And I, was, and, and I gave them, and I said, you gave them a lot of great things that they'll be able to call to mind uh, to practically apply it, but they're just struggling in how, how, do, you, how do you learn the book of Romans? How do you commit it to memory uh, if you're not literate or if it's too dangerous for you to take notes and be found with those notes? And, right. and so 
that was just a so what you're having you're having 17 18 hour days and then you're going to get in bed with three other guys in a twin bed and a half that's not <laughs> yeah. even a double bed and so you know you're you 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 wake up and uh, and somebody's arm is across your chest and a Another guy's giving you the Abrahamic blessing, and it's just not what I call edifying, you know. And and and, and but but you know you're being changed. Your very soul is being changed, and I think in subsequent um, podcast, I'll just go ahead and put it on the line right now. I, I want to do, and it's going to take more than one podcast. How the persecuted look at Christmas, the Christmas narrative. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And here's a spoiler alert. I've never found a body of Christ anywhere on the world, anywhere in the world that celebrates Christmas as a holiday, unless they've been influenced by Western Christians. Hmm. That's something to unpack. That's something to unpack. It's going to be a big one. And, and, uh, we might start it the next podcast or so. But so, you know, there's a lot of things going on here. And so they're asking me questions. And I'm on the platform after interviewing Daryl and Daryl. And, and this, this, uh, um, uh, this brother and sister. And basically what I'm doing is going through what believers in persecution were teaching us about victorious living, about living the resurrection and and how they know Jesus, how they know large portions of the Bible, how they know large uh, spiritual songs that they sang to Jesus. That's their own heart songs that they, as Chinese, have written. Uh, all of this is is their own stuff, and and I'm going through that, and, and I'm going, I'm in the uh, deeply into the second hour, and Daryl Daryl stands up underneath a tree, and they're waving their arms at me shouting something and I'm going, Oh no, not you two again. And they walk through the seated crowd and they come up on the stage and they push me back a little bit and they are weeping. And they said, mm. they're standing in front of, of, of me and they're saying to the crowd, listen to this man, listen to this man. When we went to prison, we barely knew who Jesus was. We did not know the Bible stories. We did not know the biblical scriptural songs. We didn't know how to pray. And we hid. The rest of you, you soared and you led people to Christ and you grew in Jesus. But we had so little of Jesus and so little of his word and so little of his song in us that we hid the three years. And you have honored us by allowing us to be here, assuming that we did in prison what you all did when we just barely survived and got out with our faith intact. Mm. Listen to this man. Listen to this man. He is teaching us uh, 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 how to live the resurrection in persecution when we never did. Wow. And I said, God, you know, I said it internally. God, forgive me for questioning you while you had me try to interview these men on the stage when they became the best object lesson that you could have uh, mm-hmm. this entire day. How incredible. And so this kind of thing was going on, a 14 hour interviews, learning so much from Daryl and Daryl, uh, 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 you know, uh, sleeping in the bed, uh, just having these guys say, listen to this man. 
But, you know, over the days, I would notice that things were going on over the side because they were not just going to spend their time, a small group at a time, uh, 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 giving me their stories. And so there was other training going on, training going on that we did at night. But I noticed that there were a group of women, the same women every day, and each day they had a different group of 40 to 60, mostly men, some women, uh, gathered over there. And these women were so adamant. They were mm. almost fierce in their presentation. And I asked my interpreter what's going over there, on over there. And they, uh, he said, those are, 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 are the Bible women of China. Mm. He said, that's what I call them. And, and they're teaching men and women, how to do evangelism and how to plant churches. I said, really? Women? He said, yeah. And hmm. so one day when I finished early and they were still teaching, and like I said, they, I walk up and they look at me like, don't, don't mess with us, don't interrupt. And so I <laughs> sat down until they had a break. And, and I, I just said, I said to them as I watched them each day, I said, uh, who are you and what are you teaching? They said, we're teaching evangelism and church planning. And, and, uh, and, and I said, to, and, and I said, you're doing what? They said, we're teaching, uh, the leaders of this house group movement how to better do evangelism and church planning. I said, you're teaching these leaders, mostly men. They said, yes. I said, uh, why have you become, you know, in this conversation, I asked them, why have you become, as, as after I listened to them for a good while, why have you been the chosen ones or have become by osmosis or however the evangelists and the church planters uh, in this part of, of China in part in a house church men movement that totaled 10 million people? Wow. And, and they uh, were the backbone of the evangelism and church planning. And they said to me, you don't know. I said, I don't have a clue. This is the first time that I knew to come ask a question. And the first time that I've witnessed this in a larger group, because I've just been in small groups of family groups or four or five guys or two or three women. So I didn't see this uh, spiritual phenomenon before. They said, well, we are the evangelists and church planners because it just makes common sense. I said, well, no wonder I didn't understand, you know, why you do what you do, because I have a deficit of that. They said, listen, uh, uh, Dr. Ripken, when men are arrested and they do this all the time, when they are arrested for planting churches, doing evangelism and planting house churches, when they are arrested, they go to prison for three years. Consequently, when we women are doing the same thing when we are witnessing and planning house churches, going house and, you know, to, from family to family to family, from village to village to village. When we get caught and we get arrested, we only have to go to jail for three months. Mm. And they said, therefore, the price that we pay compared to the men is so small, three months to three years, that God Himself has obviously determined that women are to be the evangelists and the house church planners because we have to pay such a little price. We only have to go to jail for three months. Can you imagine Christian women in the West saying, we are the evangelists and church planners because we only have to go to jail for three months? 
Wow. Can you imagine clergy saying that? Hmm. I can't even imagine workers like me saying that with joy. With joy, because it's such, we don't get beaten, we don't get tortured, we're not getting killed, we're not going for three years, multiple times, uh, we're just going to jail for three months and then they turn us loose. Uh, Our persecution is so little, it's obvious that God has chosen us to do this task because we don't have to pay such a big price. Wow. Oh my, was I judged? Yes. Was I blessed? Yes. God had. And so I asked them. And I wasn't trying to be. You know, I didn't want to bring over Western problems Hmm. or Western issues. But I do need to find out what the issues are. Like one house church movement split. I mean, and the leader was a great leader. And he and his wife had been part of a movement. That also was, uh, uh, I could I could sketch the leadership models that came out of that and look at how many house churches each one of those leaders were over uh, and how they divided up uh, those house churches and easily they had 10 million in it and it split. You know why it split? Mm-mm. Because the leader who, who, who planted these churches and led them uh, so well for uh, uh, 30, 40 years, his wife died. Mm-hmm. And he's in his 60s. And now he has married a 26-year-old lady who's also a leader in a house church. But in the culture, uh, as I understood it in China, at the, I don't know whether it's changed, but, but older men do not marry somebody that's 40 years younger than themselves. Mm-hmm. So that movement split not over even even theological issues, is split over whether an older man should marry a younger woman. Wow. Both of them Christian. And that was just a, a very much a in that place, I don't know, I didn't run in, I didn't even ask about it. It wasn't an issue for me uh, to find whether across the Christian uh, uh, house church movements in China, whether that was verboten, you know, uh, across the board or whether that was just in that one region or our movement. Uh, uh, but, but in this case, uh, I'm talking to uh, these ladies who are just uh, fiery evangelists going from province to province and, and leading people to Christ, families to Christ and planting churches. And, and so I just wanted to know, and I asked them uh, because I said, you, you all know, uh, 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 Paul quotes Jesus in Ephesus that to some are giving the gift of apostle, little a, evangelist, church planners, and then it says pastor teachers. And mm-hmm. I've talked about this a number of times on this podcast, and, and I'm getting to see uh, rare in our country uh, the, the evangelist church planter. And I said, so in the church, inside the house church movement, uh, 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 who makes up, and I didn't want to put words in their mouth, but who makes up the pastor teacher? They said, men do. Hmm. They said, oh, Dr. Ripken, in, 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 in house churches that are also defined by persecution, we're a bunch of biblically conservative people. 
And I found out all over in the 72 countries that, that Ruth and I talk to believers in persecution. You don't find what the West in terms, uh, terms liberal Christians hmm. because you're not going to be a liberal Christian uh, where you're being persecuted for your faith. If you don't believe uh, 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 in the inspiration of the Bible and the Bible being in present active tense, not past tense, because right. they're living in the Old Testament, starting the New Testament, and, and experience Pentecost-like movements. And, and, and they said, if you're liberal, you're, you, you don't survive being a Christian in this kind of environment. We're a bunch of conservative people and pastors are the leaders and the uh, uh, of our churches. And, and then they looked at me after they finished informing me and they got this heaven sent beautific smiles on their faces. <laughs> and they were so excited when they said to me, look how good God is. I mean, they were just so loud in it. Look how good God is. He's given men the church and he's given women everything else. <laughs> and I thought, well, I'm being facetious here, but I thought I'd just get saved all over again. <laughs> because what I realized, what I realized in the moment, having come from Western Christianity after being on the mission field and yet not untouched by this stuff, if they're going to fight over something in the movements of God and in the house of God, they're going to fight over who gets to go to lost people and tell them about the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's right. They're not going to fight over who gets to lead the sheep. They're going to fight over who gets to go to the wolves. Mm. That's not how I describe Western Christianity. Mm. And now that we've come back to the U.S., what are we fighting over? We're fighting over the sheep. We're not fighting over who gets to go to the wolves. I have yet. Well, let me be careful here. <laughs> My wife would say to me, I have seldom heard. A message. At any level. Of denominational life, and I've been among assemblies of God. I've been with Mennonites. Uh, what, what Ruth and I do, we go to churches of our partners who are doing what we're doing in the same places that we're doing it. Mm. And we try to get them more support. We try to get them to send more people. And, and, and it has just been what we have on the mission field. When we worship, we, we're, we're gathered together with multiple groups that are in putting their lives at risk in, in difficult places. And so when we come back to America on furloughs, you know, on leaves uh, uh, to teach other workers. We actually seek out 60% uh, of our time. We want to go to places in America like Northwest America, uh, like Northeast America, like places like Utah, Salt Lake City, where Christianity is in short supply. We want to go places uh, to encourage those who are planning, usually small house groups in those places and, and teach what we have learned and encourage them. So we're trying to go to the most lost areas of America and, and, and probably 10% of our time to 20% of our time. We want to go uh, to our partners, churches and sending organizations uh, to help them take care of their people on the mission field and to send more people. 
And, and that has been a real blessing uh, uh, to Ruth and I uh, in doing that. But it, it's across the denominational spectrum that inside of the denominations themselves, no matter where you go, if they're if they're in crisis or if they're uh, 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 sort of struggling with who shall be uh, the deacons, the elders, the teachers, uh, the pastors and leaders within the churches, uh, uh, that's where the where the stress and the emphasis is put. It's not where Jesus said, I'm sending you as sheep among wolves. We're not fighting over the wolves. We're fighting over the sheep. And it breaks my heart. Mm. Now, do I want us to be conservative, biblical Christians? Of course I do. But do I want us to spend most of our time? Anthony, I'm going to risk something, and it might cost us a podcast. Let's do it. But Ruth and I, you, Ruth and I go, and we do this for five days in seminaries and Bible colleges. We do it with workers that are going to the field for a week at a time. Uh, we, we, as you know, we won't go uh, to churches anywhere or to schools that won't give us at least three days. If we right. don't get the, a Friday afternoon, Friday evening, all day Saturday and Sunday, we don't go. Uh, and I don't blame people for going on Sundays, but I, for me and what believers in persecution have taught Ruth and I, it feels like a drive-by shooting. Hmm. We can't go and, and, and talk about the persecuted church in a 30 minute or even a 45 minute message. I just, I can't encapsulate it. Maybe others right. can, but not, not us who 35 years on the mission field, uh, 600 plus interviews in 72 countries. I just can't do that to the persecuted church and, and to believers in persecution. So we asked for a weekend and, uh, uh until health took a, a right hand turn, uh, we're churches are so hungry and schools are so hungry. Ruth and I stay booked up about two years ahead hmm. and, 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 and to, and, and to be able to give this. But what, what I, what I want to say is that as we go to these churches and we have these weekends, single women, single men, young couples, older couples, widows and widowers will come up to Ruth and I and say, I don't know how to reach my family. I don't know how to do what, what believers in persecution are doing when it costs them a lot. I don't know how to cross the street. I, I don't know how, let alone cross the oceans. I, I don't know how to share uh, my story and Jesus' story so it becomes somebody else's story. I, I don't know how to do that over meals in homes without it just being a drive-by shooting. Uh, and, and, and so I, I say to them, well, just, you know, I can't teach you in a weekend. Uh, this is what we do. And I can't come back and model this for you. So uh, go get your staff. Go get your worship leader. Get your, your senior pastor. Get, get your, your uh, senior pastor of, of older people. Uh, get, get a youth leader, a worship leader, someone uh, that's, that, that knows how to do this and let them take it for you and model it for you. And as we return, as we get emails, as we get phone calls, uh, 10% of them, 10% of them have reported that their staff has expertise in crossing the street and going to family members and going to lost neighbors and to, and, and, and to leading 
people to Christ house by house by house. And they said, what Ruth and I have found in going to significant churches all over America of, of, of many different denominations is that the staff of our largest churches have not shared meals with one another in their own homes. Wow. And that the wow. loneliest person that we meet in churches in America is a senior pastor. I believe it. And, 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 and it, that defies what it means to be part of the body of Christ. And, and, and so I, I'm not, I'm not picking a fight, but I'm asking us to pick the right fight. And if we're going to fight over anything, let's fight who gets to share Jesus with people who are outside the kingdom of God. And if everyone you're witnessing to right now at the sound of our voices, if everyone, this is what our leader always asked Ruth and I and our teams, if everyone comes to Christ that you're witnessing to right now, how many people will be in the kingdom of God in a year's time? Wow. And see, part of me, just to be honest, that is struggling, I could talk about dozens, hundreds, and in places like Malawi, oh, let's do this. In Malawi, I could talk about the thousands. Hmm. I could talk about in, in, in South Africa under apartheid among the closer speaking people, it, it always was the hundreds that were coming to Christ all over. And when we got in persecution, we would talk about the dozens uh, and some places that has exploded. Uh, as my supervisor and vice president for overseas often says, the only place where Muslims are not coming to Christ by the tens of thousands are the places we don't go. So I'm used to being in environments where I'm surrounded because of intentionally, I'm surrounded by lost people. Right. Now I'm surrounded by 150 churches. And yet the majority of the counties that uh, surround us uh, are like most of America. 50% of them don't believe there's a God. Right. And it, it, it spikes in the city and it's less uh, in the, in the rural parts. Uh, but again, when we visit, uh, uh, body of Christ after body of Christ after body of Christ. And we do these workshops and we ask people, uh, come up. We don't want to embarrass anybody in public, but come up and tell us how many people, if everyone that you're witnessing to uh, comes to Christ in the next 12 months, how many people have the potential because only the Holy Spirit can quicken and, and save. Uh, how many people have the potential because of your witness? How many families uh, to be in Christ by year's end. Mm. And it's, um, it's not measurable. Wow. It's not measurable. Did I tell you already about sitting in a restaurant with friends of ours that helped us publish our book and help us get our movie uh, to product? Or did I do that before the podcast? No, I don't think you shared that. Uh, sitting at a table in a big restaurant and one of the guys sitting uh, across from me said, Hey, Hey, Hey guys, listen, 
that woman at the next table is witnessing to the people at the table. And so even over the noise of the restaurant, we could hear her witnessing what is what those guys tongue in cheek called how American Christians witness. Uh, she was saying, well, you know, you tell me you don't know Christ and, and, and you don't have a church home. So what you need, you need to come to our church and come to our church and, and, and your questions will be answered. And, 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 and the guy looked at me, he said, you just heard that's how church people witness in the United States. Now you want to do that, but you, you really don't want really what you want to do is have them over for a meal, go to their homes for a meal and share Christ with them and introduce them to Jesus, lead them to Christ and get them growing into Christ. And, and, and yet, as we said, uh, it, when, when first generation Muslims, Americans, Indians, Buddhists, Chinese, anybody, if they come to organized church as a first generation Christian, unless they're doing a lot of things right, like the Chinese house churches are, by their first month in church, they become very passive in their Christianity because what is modeled for them is they don't have to study the Bible because there's somebody with a doctorate or at least a master's in theology right. that knows the Bible so much better than they do or anybody else that is going to mind that for them. They don't have to write songs out of their own souls to sing praises to Jesus because there's professionals that are going to sing over them or we're going to sing hymns that have been written throughout history. Uh, you, you don't even have to learn how to pray because they've got people on that platform that pray over you and pray for you. And so you become a drone mm. and, and, and you can go to the website, www.nickripkin.com and see the seven reasons that we write for not taking uh, first generation Christians, believers in Christ uh, to church until they learn how to feed themselves, how to pray, how to write songs. And there's, there's a host of things mm. that, that, that are there in order because we know this when we do a three to five day workshop in the house of God in, in a church building if we do this in a gymnasium or, or a family room you know around tables where they can write and take notes the participation is just awesome if we have to because of space do that inside the sanctuary we lose 60 percent of the participation we would have in a family life center. I don't doubt it. They come in and they sit where they sit on Sunday morning and they, and they become very passive because they're in a space where they're not taught to interact, especially men. When they stand, they don't even sing. Mm. Oh, what a need it is for men to lead their families in worship in singing in the house of God. And, and, and you've got to believe if we're not doing that in the house of God, we're not doing it in our homes and we're losing our yeah. children. So this is about as much of evangelizing our children as well as evangelizing our neighbor. But again, let's 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 keep the uh, the emphasis where we are and ask the question. Uh, uh, what are you fighting over? Hmm. 
Or better question is not what are you fighting over? Because that's what we're doing is, is what we should be who we are fighting over. Right. And in the, in the book of Luke in chapter 19, you have the Zacchaeus story hmm. and here's where I'll exit. And, and everybody that's in the house of God knows the story of Zacchaeus. But at the end of that, uh, Jesus says his vision statement for his life. He says, because the son of man has come to seek and to save those who are lost. Mm. My challenge you today, if you're listening to this podcast and, 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 I, Ruth and I are struggling because we're in a place surrounded by 150 churches and, and with, with the surgeries I've had, but we are committed in, in, in the markets, in, in the grocery stores. We are doing everything we can uh, that we did because we were surrounded by lostness and we walk out our door because uh, uh, this, maybe I need to say this as a, Really, the last thing, 90 <laughs> percent of being an evangelist, of being what most of our listeners call a missionary, 90 percent of that is learning the right language and living in the right place. Learn the right mm -hmm. language and live where you can walk out of your door of your apartment and be with those who are outside the kingdom of God. You can walk next door to your neighbor and be with those who are outside the kingdom of God. So 90% of being an effective worker is learning the right language and living in the right place. That's why we've moved uh, uh, 30 times in our ministry. Sometimes it was a forced move. Sometimes it was a move to country or country, but, uh, but a lot of times it was a moving within the same city to get better situated with people who are outside the kingdom of God. Yeah. And so Jesus's vision statement, I want us to own that we have come to seek Amen. and through his holy name, the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. We've come to seek and to save those who are lost. That is Amen. his vision statement. And what are we going to fight over? Let's fight over the souls, especially those three billion and especially your family members and especially those across the street. Let's fight over those who are outside the kingdom of God. Mm. And I would say to that, amen. Let it be. Amen. Let it be. Let it be so. Nick, thank you for your time and thank you for your wisdom. And we thank the uh, Chinese believers of persecution for teaching us. Oh, wow. What it and really thanks to our listeners for ha hanging with us. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for being with us today. Uh, to our listeners and to you, Nick, as well. This has been Witness and Persecution, and we will be with you next time.